I'm not sure if you caught the title of the message yet um, tonight, or if you got a worship guide on your way in, but the title is Growing Young out of Titus 2. That's not a commentary on Dr. Reggie's age, although I can't really make fun of him since he's a couple years younger than me. Believe me, he likes to remind me of that as often as possible. So this morning, if you weren't in the nine o'clock, I had to kind of take a jab at him every chance I I got. So growing young sounds a little backwards, right? Especially for those of us who are not as young as we once were. Usually we talk about growing old, right? Uh, Getting older, feeling older, the effects of that, uh, which is inevitable. But tonight for a few minutes, I want us to talk about um, what it looks like to grow younger as a church. And how do we do what's necessary to grow younger as a church um, in order to reach this next generation of Christians to carry on the great work and uh, the partnership in the gospel which God's called us into? In some ways, I kind of feel like I'm preaching to the choir because as long as I've been here at Temple, which is considerable, um, Temple has always had a great vision, uh, a great passion for the next generation But sometimes we need to hear um, that what we're doing is good and right. And sometimes we need to be encouraged to continue uh, and to persevere when it doesn't look like it's working or when things may not be going great. Uh, So also, uh, we might think as a church that every church has the same emphasis and passion as we do, but I assure you it's not. Uh, So tonight, I want us to take just a few minutes to look in Titus 2 and to read the scriptures and see kind of what, what we can do as a church. What can we do as individuals? What can we do as a collective body? Now, what I'm not saying tonight is that uh, reaching the next generation is the most important thing, our most important mission, and, and the only thing we should be focused on. Uh, but I am the young adult minister, so that is a great part of my responsibility. So you should expect to, to hear that from me. But the truth is, Temple has always had a great multi-generation ministry to every age uh, for as long as I've been around, which is around 1989, in and out for a few years there, but uh, it's it's awesome. So this may sound impossible to some of you as I was thinking about it this week, but this week, November 1st, some of you may not recognize it as the greatest day in Temple Baptist history, but that is the day Karen Sanders and I came to work at Temple on a full-time basis about 14 years ago. So that anniversary is coming up this week, just to give you a heads up. But we've been so blessed at Temple. Uh, just in the, if you just look in the last 14 years since uh, I've been back here, to have such great ministries uh, all across the board. And children, youth, college, uh, young adults, median adults, senior adults. And uh, we truly are blessed uh, to be a part of Temple Baptist Church. And what a great church family we have. So I stole the title, Growing Young, from a research project uh, that the Fuller Youth Institute uh, did over the last probably three years. And they put in countless hours, I'll tell you a little bit more about it later as, we, as it relates to our text, but um, they did this enormous amount of research on some churches that were growing and reaching young adults, reaching young people, and what were some of the core convictions, core commitments that they made in order to do so. And while their research is interesting, I'll share a little bit with you later on, and while it's helpful, we didn't really need them, uh, we didn't need them to tell us how to grow young, because long ago, an older pastor, 
by the name of Paul, took this young pastor by the name of Titus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, shared with him a vision for the church. And I think I put in the bulletin Titus 2, 1 through 14. I think we're really only going to have time to get through Titus 2, 1 through 8. So let's just focus on that tonight and read that. And uh, we'll start in uh, Titus 1. I'll just read the whole thing and we'll come back and talk a little bit about it. Titus 2 says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. So Titus got some great instruction from Paul uh, long ago. And in this uh, section of Scripture we just read, um, Paul identifies four groups, all right? And it doesn't matter how young or how old you are tonight, you fit in one of these groups, right? He identifies these four groups, older men, older women, younger women, and younger men. Hey, we don't even have to get specific on age, right? I mean, we all fit in there somewhere. I won't even ask you to label yourself in one of those groups. But he identifies these four groups of people in the church. We can all identify with one of those. And then I think he tells them two key um, strategies for reaching young people, for growing young. First, be, and second, do. It's pretty simple. Be and do, all right? So we'll talk about these things, and I'll share with them a little more in depth. But let's talk, talk about verse 1 in, in chapter 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. David Jeremiah had this to say about this verse. I, I like this. He says, when sound doctrine is believed and practiced, it produces effective lives and healthy churches. When sound doctrine is believed and practiced, it produces effective lives and healthy churches. That's a pretty good place to start, right? Uh, no matter if you're reaching young adults or senior adults or any age under the sun, if we teach and practice what is sound, what is according to the word of God, then we're, we've built a good foundation uh, to, to live out, a good example for others to follow. So I want you to try to pick a category tonight, one of those four that Titus identifies. And maybe you thought you didn't really have a role to play, or you, you don't have much of a role when it comes to reaching the next generation. Uh, but according to Titus, you do. According to Paul, you do. Uh, you have a role to play. You have a part to play as we think about reaching this next generation. So the first key uh, to reaching young adults is to be. A lot of times when we talk about the Christian faith, it's always an effort or it's always for us to, to do this or to do that or not to do that or to do this or not to do that. But, but Paul reminds us that first we need to be someone, be the type of person that Christ has made us. Um, a couple of verses that come to mind in, in relation to this. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed, the new has come. God has already done a great work in our lives in order for us to be the type of person he wants us to be. Um, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. 
uh, the Lord has already done the hard work for us in order to be the type of person that he wants us to be. And he calls out some specific ways that the older men should uh, be, what they should be like. Uh, I don't know why this is, but whenever there's a list in the Bible and men and women you know, are told to do this or not do this, the list for the men is always longer. You know, I don't know why that is, but it seems like we always get the bad rap, guys. So our list is a little bit longer than the ladies. But let's just talk about a few of these things that Paul highlights. Um, if this is an important strategy in reaching the next generation, we need to be these type of people. He says, be sober-minded. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, sound in love, and in steadfastness. Well, that's what, six things he identifies here tonight for us to examine ourselves. Now, in our church, if you're a young adult, you're you're typically below 40. Above 40 would be an older, a median adult, a senior adult. Um, In the Growing Young research, they use 15 to 30 as, as their category, which is a little young, if you ask me. So maybe you find yourself in that category of an older man. What does it mean to be sober-minded? Three times in Titus and five times in other epistles, Paul mentions this this word sober-minded. And when he does, here's kind of what he means. I, I like this. It says, when he does, he urges young men and older men to pay attention to how they live, removing any pattern of thought or behavior that could trip them up or hinder their progress in the faith. To be sober-minded, to have a clear mind, to have a good perspective on life, not to be caught up in the emotions of the day or the moment, but to have a clear perspective on life, on faith, on what the Lord is up to. So older men, be sober-minded, be dignified. Now, that doesn't mean we're not talking about dress, about dressing up, you know, but to be dignified in your actions, in your character, in your thoughts, in the things that may not be publicly known, to be dignified, to be self-controlled. If there is... Anything lacking or anything more needed in our world today, it's that of self-control, right? Uh, not to have to satisfy that urge to share that opinion with the, everyone else. Not to have to be right. Not to have to immediately gratify those desires that you have and those things that you want but maybe you don't need or maybe they're not best for you. Uh, but to experience and to be an example of self-control. Uh, all these things our characters that God has given us. These are gifts that he's done for us that we just need to grasp and live out. To be sound in faith, to be sound in love, he says. Well, how are we sound in love? Well, Jesus said it's pretty simple. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You love your neighbor as yourself. Those are good places to start as as older men, good examples to set for us for the next generation. And then sound in steadfastness. Persevere, I think is what he's saying here. Stick it out to the end. Don't give up. When things get tough, uh, don't quit. Uh, When you don't feel like getting up and going to church, when you don't feel like serving, do it anyway. Uh, Persevere. Be steadfast. Don't be easily swayed or knocked off uh, who you are or what God's created you to be. And then for older women, he he gives them three. A little short list. Ladies, you should be able to remember this and be better than us men at it. He says, be reverent in behavior, not slanderers. Speak the truth in love, in other words. Not slave to much wine. Not a drunkard. So older women, show this to the younger women. Teach them, he says, to be reverent in behavior. Not slanderers, not slave to much wine. So ladies, examine 
uh, your life, your character for a moment? Do you fit that description that Paul is encouraging Titus to model his church after? Is that a model that, that we can get behind and we can live out and we can be? Because that's God, who God is calling us to be. That's who he's made us in his son, Jesus Christ, to be. To display these, these characters. So the second key to reaching young adults. First, be. Be these type of people. Um, second, do these things. Uh, teach, he says. He goes into a little further explanation later on in Titus. He says, teach them these things. Starting in uh, verse uh, 3 at the end. They are to teach what is good, older women. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. I don't know how many of you are taking part, of you ladies are taking part in this uh, heartfelt ministries that the women, women's ministry uh, is doing, but Jada's group met last week, and she's been telling me about this, where some older ladies in our church are paired with younger ladies, and they're meeting like on a monthly basis in people's homes. And uh, I heard another report uh, just this morning from a young girl uh, in our church who went with her sister and just had a great time this past uh, couple of weeks ago to their, to their group. And that's exactly, I think, what, what Paul is talking about here to Titus and, and telling us that we should model these types of behaviors and we have an important part to role, uh, an important role and an important part to play in teaching this next generation. I don't know if it's too late for you to get involved in that, ladies, or if they'll start some new groups sometime that you can be a part of. But that's exactly what the picture and the image that, that Paul and Titus, Paul's sharing with Titus right here, to teach them some specific things, to teach them what is good. Who better to teach someone what is good than an older lady or an older man who has been through life, lived out certain experiences, made mistakes of their own, um, recognized and had a good perspective on what is right and what is good. Um, we need that uh, in our church. Younger men need that. Younger women need that as well. It says, young, older women, train them to love their husbands and to love their children. I'm amazed at how fast... Uh, Time flies. Uh, some of you can relate. Uh, this summer, Jalen turned 13. Jace had a birthday party Friday. He's nine. And it just seems like, you know, yesterday they were two years old and six years old. And time flies. So we need that perspective. Younger women need that perspective as well from you older women. We did baby dedication this morning in 9 o'clock here and 11.15 upstairs. And I can remember, you know, just doing that a few years ago, it seems like. So we need that perspective from older women and older men. And, and we need to see what that looks like to be lived out. How, how to love our husbands, how to love our children, um, as women need to know that. And then it says, teach them to be self-controlled. Again, this issue of self-control comes up. And I really think if, if, man, there's one thing we could get across to young adults and one thing they struggle with today the most, it's, how to live a life of self-control. How, how to tell yourself no to things that you need to say no to. Whether, and it could be not necessarily a bad thing, but something that's a distraction to your faith. Something that will lead you off the path that God has for you. Something that may keep you busier than you need to be. Older women, teach the young women to be pure. To be hardworking. Some of your translations may say um, to work at home. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have a career outside the home. That's not what uh, Paul is telling Titus here. He's just telling them, 
He's encouraging them to be hardworking and to make the most of that time they do have at home with their family, with their children. And then to be kind and to be submissive. We, we hear that and see that over and over in Scripture. So there are some specific things to be as older men and older women and younger men and younger women. And there are some things to do. Um, we looked at some of those for the women. What are some of those for the men? It says, you older men, teach them to be self-controlled. Uh, verse 6 says, Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works in your teaching. Show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. One thing that I was reminded of in this text is there doesn't appear to be any retirement in the kingdom of God, right? You may be lucky enough to work long and hard, have a great successful career, save up some money along the way, and retire from your career or your work or your occupation. But according to Scripture, there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. There's always a place for you uh, to work. There's always a job for you to do. There's always a place for you to serve. There's always a role for you to play uh, in the body of Christ. And so the older men, he says, teach them these things to be self-controlled, to be a model, to be an example for others to follow. Um, We're saved from, not by our good works, but for our good works. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are Christ's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. There's no better way to be a model or to teach someone than to show them how to do it, um, to live out those good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do and to bring alongside you someone to show you, to show them how to do it. And he gives some specific examples, integrity, dignity, sound speech. I don't think it's by accident that Paul uses these specific words. And one of the things that amazes me in the Bible is these were written thousands of years ago, but they couldn't be any truer if they were written yesterday um, to our culture, to our um, context, that we need these things. Younger men need these things. Younger women need these things. Um, So I want to take a quick poll uh, before I share with you four strategies um, to reaching young adults. How many of you would say, uh, I came to faith in Christ in my 40s? Just raise your hand. Okay. All right. I saw one hand. How many of you would say, I came to faith in Christ in my 30s? Okay. A few hands. Good. What about 20s? How many of you would say, I came to faith in Christ in my 20s? Okay. A few more hands. All right. What about uh, as a child, maybe in your teenage years or younger? How many of you came to faith in Christ in your teenage years? Okay. Great. A lot of you. Um, That leads me to share these four strategies for you. These are four things that I think uh, we have emphasized as a church um, to reach young adults. And these are four things I wish every church would emphasize in order to reach uh, young adults. Uh, Last year, um, Brother Barry Joyner, our um, DOM, used to be DOM, called me and said, hey, I have this church that wants you to come talk to them about reaching young adults. And it was a church I'd never heard of. It's in our association, Hale Baptist Church. Anybody been to Hale, the little community of Hale? Anybody know where that is? Man, you had to have been lost to get there, I'm pretty sure. Hale is a little community between Marion and Sterlington. So I drove for like three days before I ever got there, and I didn't think I was going to get there when I got there. 
And I was pretty sure I was lost and wasn't going to find my way back. But about a year ago, I went up and shared with them some of these things I've shared with you tonight and these four strategies. The first strategy I shared with them is important to reach young adults is to reach them before they're young adults. And uh, we just illustrated that tonight uh, as I had you raise your hands. Um, The overwhelming majority, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say probably 85% of you raised your hand and said, I received Christ, I came to faith in Christ as a a kid, as a teenager or younger. Um, So that's, I think, the most effective strategy for reaching young adults is to reach them before they get to the age of young adults. Research tells us that once uh, you become 18 years old, your percentages and the likelihood of you accepting Christ go, goes way down. So I think that's the number one strategy we have employed and uh, hopefully will continue to, I'm sure, is to reach them before. Now, who are the, some, of, some of the people that God used in your life uh, to bring you to faith in Christ uh, when you were a teenager or when you were 20 or 30 or 40? I want you to think of some specific names of people who maybe they were your Sunday school teacher, uh, maybe they you know, were your VBS teacher or, or RA leader or something. I want you to think of some specific names. You don't have to say them out loud, but I want you to just think of a, a few people who were instrumental uh, in your walk. Um, I, I thought of a lot of people uh, today. I, I'm, I'm always reminded of people, um, and, and most of them were older men. Uh, they were not my peers. If I was a teenager, they weren't teenagers. They were 30 or 40 or 50 years old. Um, and I bet the same, uh, I bet the same, I bet it's the same way for you. Um, they weren't young. It was the job of an older person to teach a younger person. Someone who invested in you, someone who encouraged the faith in you probably was a good bit older than you. And, and I mentioned that tonight because sometimes we do think, ah, wh- how am I going to help the church reach the next generation? Well, the same way someone helped you come to faith in Christ, you can help the next generation. So I wrote down a lot of names. Uh, I mean, too many to mention. Some from here, some from First Baptist Winsboro, where I grew up. But I thought it might be cool just to pray in the middle of this uh, message tonight and thank God for those people who uh, planted seeds in your life, watered those seeds, harvested those seeds, invested in you, encouraged you in your faith. So I, I just want to leave us in a, a quick, just a little quick prayer here before we, before we continue. So I want to give you a minute just to thank God for those people. And then I'll, I'll close this in a quick prayer here and we'll continue on our message. Father, thank you for caring enough about us, for loving us enough to bring people into our lives who we didn't know. But they loved us with the love of Christ. They invested in us. They shared with us. They prayed for us. They taught us your word, your ways. They demonstrated these very things that Paul is writing to Titus. They lived them out for us to see. And they encouraged us along the way. God, help us to be those type of people now. This next generation coming along needs those type of leaders, those older men, those older uh, women, to teach the younger men, to teach the younger women about your ways and, and how to live. 
And Lord, I pray tonight we might just commit to being that type of people. That whenever you open a door or provide an opportunity to serve or to teach or to lead, that we'd walk faithfully through that and you would equip us um, to do those good works, God. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. All right, so the first strategy, reach them before they're adults. Second strategy, I think, that we've employed and has been successful, reach their kids. All right, young adults inevitably get married, have kids. So if you can't reach them before they get young adults, second best thing is to reach their kids. And it's no accident, you know, that a few years ago we built the Journey Place. Uh, We just finished a youth renovation um, just this year. We continue to invest in things like wind shape, VBS, upward basketball. All of those are designed for us to reach young adults' kids and to reach the young adults through their kids. And every year we have someone join our church, someone come to Temple because of Upward or Wind Shape or uh, VBS, and maybe that's some of you. And if so, praise God, we're excited about that. We're thankful for that. Uh, but that is a very good strategy for us as a church, for in, any church, uh, to reach young adults' kids. Um, and it has been an emphasis for Temple for a long time. And we'll continue to be. So the third strategy, I think, that we've emphasized, give young adults a big vision to do great things for God. Um, give, give young adults a big vision to do great things for God. I don't know if any of you have uh, seen these bumper stickers around Ruston. Lately, I've seen a few. seems like I've seen more and more now. But there's this bumper sticker. I don't know who made it, but it's, it says, Make Ruston Weird. You seen those? Make Ruston Weird? A few, a few of you. I hope, does anybody have that on their car? No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't admit to it if you did, huh? So be different than the culture. Be different than the norm. And I don't mean so in a make Rustin weird kind of way, but do it for the glory of God. Uh, give young adults a, a big vision to do great things for God. There, there's several examples I thought of. Um, one is what's, going, what's transpiring in, in India and a group of young adult guys who have kind of taken ownership uh, in this and a few years ago, we adopted an unreached people group uh, in this remote area of India that's hard to get to and uh, not a lot of fun to travel to, but there's a dearth of Christians there. There's just almost no Christians there. And there's several guys who've been on trips numerous times, and we just gave the church a big vision. You know, Rick and Casey and John King, I think, went, I guess, about six years ago. Um, for the first time to India, and it's amazing to see how God has worked and continued to uh, allow us to invest and to go back. That's just one example of giving young adults a big vision to do great things for God. Um, another example I thought about uh, in this area is the worker, workers' worship idea. We've talked about this off and on uh, over the last couple of years, and I don't know if Brandon Williams is here tonight, but I'm going to use him as an example uh, last year, he decided to start a Bible study at his workplace. And uh, some of you may have heard his testimony. Well, started out, uh, he works for a small company over in Monroe, and he had like six people, and then his CEO heard about it, and his CEO was like, well, I want you to lead it for everybody. So now I want you to do it not just one day a week, but two days a week I want you to lead this Bible study. And before you know it, he had basically his whole office coming to a Bible study at lunch. And we're praying and hoping other people might do the same at their workplace, just uh, and it's not something, you know, we ask people to do forever and ever. But, you know, for six weeks in the spring, for six weeks in the fall, uh, four weeks, host a Bible study at your workplace and see what God 
uh, will do with it. Uh, similar to Nicaragua, things that are going on down there and, and uh, how God is using and blessing that ministry. And, you know, we've been going there for a long time, but just a few years ago, Joseph and Susan moved their family down, you know, and uh, accepted the call to be missionaries there. Just great things that the Lord has done through uh, this strategy, I think. And then lastly, do something. Number four, don't just sit back and do nothing. We had never had that problem here at Temple, have we? Well, we always got something going on, thankfully. But do something. If churches would just try something. Uh, this morning we started a new Bible study group for young adults that I'm excited about. And every year we're trying to start at least one group for young adults to try and reach a, a different group of people that we're not, maybe. So do something. Um, four effective strategies, I think, that we've employed and that I wish every church would. Reach them before their adults, they're young adults. Reach their kids. Give them a big vision to do great things for God and do something. All right, quickly, I want to share with you these uh, Growing Young Research as we close out uh, this, this evening. The Growing Young Research is about 10,000 man hours. Uh, 363 different congregations were looked at, 474 young people, 799 adults were interviewed. There was over 10,000 pages of interview transcripts. We won't read those tonight. But they identified six core commitments that your church needs to make in order to reach young adults. And like I said earlier, they classify young adults between the ages of 15 to 30. We're a little more generous here. So we, you know, use basically 20 to 40 um, in our church. So quickly, these six uh, core commitments as they follow. I'm not going to expound on them much and uh, we'll close. The first one was unlocking the key chain of leadership. Uh, Instead of centralizing authority, empower others, especially young people. You know, I was thinking uh, today, it hasn't been that long ago that we didn't have one deacon under 40 years, under 40 years of age. Uh, it really hasn't been that many years. Uh, but now we have several young deacons, and, and we are providing, continually providing opportunities for uh, young people to be in leadership and to grow and uh, to plant and to lead. Uh, so that was the first core commitment churches need to make. Unlike key chain of leadership, emphasize with today's young people. Now, this is a difficult one because I'm one of the, quickest ones to say, you know, young people are, they're kind of soft sometimes. But instead of judging or criticizing them, we need to step into their shoes. They do face different challenges than we face. They do face things different. Uh, Life is more difficult for them, I think, in some ways. So we need to empathize uh, with them instead of judging them. Thirdly, take Jesus's message seriously. Welcome young people into a Jesus-centered way of life. Uh, Jesus is attractive. People He is like a magnet. People are mesmerized by him, by his teaching, by his life, by his example. And when we hold that up and take that message seriously, young people are drawn to it. Fourth, fuel a warm community. Uh, Instead of focusing on cool worship or new programs, uh, it says warm uh, focus on a warm congregation, a friendly congregation, something we hear from yes uh, a lot. Fifth, prioritize young people and families everywhere. And sixth, be the best neighbors. Uh, instead of condemning the world outside your walls, teach people how to be a good neighbor. Enable young people to be a good neighbor locally and globally. So a- as we close, um, I-, I hope you'll commit to being this type of people that Paul um, identifies in Titus, that if you're an older man or an older woman, that you'll commit to, to being who God's called you to be in Christ Jesus and to doing the things that he's called you to do. And if you're a younger man or a younger woman, that you'll commit uh, to learn and you'll commit to lead as well. So as we close in prayer, 
Now, I just want to remind you and encourage you, you have an important role to play. Uh, I'm guessing before tonight, if I had said, hey, you have an important role to play in reaching young adults, you might have rolled your eyes and said, no way, you know, that's not in the Bible. But I've shown you tonight in Titus where it is. You do have an important role. You do have an important part to play. And I pray that you'll commit tonight to playing whatever role it is God leads you to as we try to reach the next generation. I'll close this in prayer. We'll have our uh, invitation. Lord, God, we love you. Thank you uh, for this great message in Titus, for looking long before our time uh, to knowing and caring about the next generation. I thank you, God, again for those people who invested in our lives and cared about us when we were younger, when we were the next generation. And God, help us to be faithful, uh, Lord, to fulfilling your call on our lives uh, in this local body of Christ. And as we serve locally and globally, Lord, uh, we confess and we admit that our lives are yours. We are an offering to you. And God, we pray you would use us up for your glory where you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray.